KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. One of the constant topics during the Trump administration was trade policy with China. Eventually, it became a trade war. Lots of rhetoric, lots of tariffs, but to what end? Was progress made? Did we win the trade war? Did China? Is it even over? What will happen now that Joe Biden is president? Lots of questions. To get some answers, we spoke with Dr. Kevin Fandel. He is an associate professor of business law at Temple University's Fox School of Business. Give a listen. So with the four years of the Trump administration now in the rearview mirror, one of the constant headlines was the approach to China trade policy with China, trade war with China. Now that we've got four years and we can kind of look at how effective was what the Trump administration tried to do vis-a-vis trade with China? Well, I think, Matt, we need to start at the beginning and understand a little bit about what the Trump administration did and why they did it in the first place. And that goes back to Mr. Trump's concern over the trade deficit, He was a big deficit hawk. So anytime there was a country that was exporting more than the United States was exporting to them, that created a deficit. And he felt like he was losing in some sort of a a game of um, this for that. And the truth is, trade deficits exist all around the world. They're extraordinarily common. They come and go. And it simply means that one country is buying more from the other then that country's buying from them. And in the case of America, we're a consumer. We're, we're a huge consumer, not only individuals buying things at, on, uh, online or at the store, but also as manufacturers. We buy all sorts of inputs. We buy all sorts of materials that go into American goods. And that's really what led to a trade deficit with China. Because our manufacturers use a lot of goods that are produced cheaply in China to make American products that consumers love. This deficit, as I've mentioned on a previous podcast with you, Matt, uh, has existed since the late 1980s, this deficit with China. And it's been growing and growing and growing as we become more productive and as China has ramped up its own manufacturing, making it easier for us to get our goods from them. So that's really what I think got the ire of former President Trump when he came into office, he really wanted to get rid of that deficit. And that's what started the trade war. Right, wrong, or indifferent in the thought process. Was there any movement on that trade deficit? No. Uh, in fact, the deficit has been increasing. The approach of the Trump administration was unilateral. That is, rather than going through the World Trade Organization and just suing China or partnering up with our allies in the EU and Japan and and attacking China on a multilateral front, we went it alone. President Trump said, we're just going to start putting tariffs on Chinese goods, which are taxes, and we're going to hope that that squeezes them into submission. That might work for a country like Bolivia or, or some smaller economy, but it's not going to work for China. China has plenty of other markets it can sell to, including the EU, which it turned to after these tariffs were put in place. And it started um, taking more goods from the EU. It it bought more from Brazil, from Japan, almost as if America wasn't all that important to it anymore. And I don't think that's the reaction that President Trump expected. 
even though most economists said that's exactly what would happen. And so instead, China started coming back and going after the United States. Again, that's not something a small economy would typically do. They can't really hurt the United States. But China can. China has a lot of leverage over U.S. agriculture, U.S. manufacturers, our automobile industry. So when China started retaliating, putting huge tariffs on our exports, not only did we not decrease the deficit, we made it worse because we could no longer export what we were before to China. So was there any any positives that came out of this? Did we were there any fronts where because there are there have been longtime legitimate concerns with China in the world of trade, intellectual property, stuff like that. Yeah. Were inroads made on any front that you can point to that the the philosophy, the the actions the Trump administration took uh, made real progress in American interest? To a very limited extent. It wasn't just the deficit, obviously, that was the, the concern. China itself has some barriers up that we would like to see go away. Uh, these include things like high tariffs uh, that make it more expensive for us to get our goods onto Chinese markets. We want them to lower those tariffs. They did a little bit in, in certain circumstances, not so much for the U.S., but for the rest of the world, because we're still in this trade war with them. We also are concerned about what are called technical barriers to trade, which are non-tax-related issues. These include things like forced technology transfer. If you want to bring your technology to China, you've got to basically share some of that technology with them, and then they ultimately can copy it and kick you out of the equation. That has improved over the last few years. I don't want to say it's directly related to the Trump actions, because this has been something even Obama pushed for, but it has been getting better. And companies have had to share fewer pieces of technology with China. So that's improved. Also, China, because of the COVID pandemic and the fact that they were first in, first out, they're now again importing a lot. So they're looking for more, more goods. They're, they're beefing up their economy once again bringing in more agriculture, more tech, even more health supplies. And some of that is coming from the U.S. A lot of it's coming from the EU, but a lot of U.S. manufacturers and farmers are seeing some openings take place in China. Again, I don't attribute this to, to the trade war. We are still not back to the levels pre-2018 when the trade war started. We're not there yet. We're still far below where we should have been and where we could have been if we took a different policy. But yes, there are a couple of little positives. So overall, is there something, a number you can give us, a tangible context to how much this trade war kind of hurt American, the American economy or American business? Billions. I will put it in with a big capital B there, billions of dollars. As we fight over a stimulus for our own economy and the investments we're making in, in vaccines, this could have been going towards that. We cost the U.S. economy billions. And I'll just give you a, an example. One of the areas where this really hurt U.S. manufacturing is in automobiles. We export a lot of automobiles around the world. And China is the second largest importer of, of vehicles. 
as China gets wealthier, more middle-class people looking for more cars. And so it's, it's been a great market for us. One of the first things China did when we started this trade war is they retaliated against U.S. auto exports with a 25% tax. That made it extraordinarily expensive to buy U.S. cars in China. So you've got companies like Tesla, which make manufacture all over the place, but they were just starting to build a facility in Shanghai, and they saw this 25% tariff, and they said, well, we need to speed this up. We're not going to be able to make cars in the U.S. We're going to have to make them in China. So they finished that plant in Shanghai. BMW, as you, your listeners probably know, BMW manufactures most of its uh, vehicles here in South Carolina. Well, when they saw the 25% tariff, they had to lay off many of those workers and move some of their production directly to China. So it cost American jobs. It cost uh, American uh, tax benefits. A lot of manufacturing is just dried up and disappeared. And that's, I think, another real direct impact on the U.S. economy. But one more example, if I may, in agriculture, China is a big importer of U.S. soybeans. We were their largest export market for, for, I'm sorry, they imported a lot of soybeans from us and we were the largest market getting those soybeans to them. That dried up. Um, China retaliated against our agriculture, put a lot of tariffs on those goods, including soybeans. So what did we do? We pumped subsidies, government taxpayer funded money into our farmers' pockets, um, enriching them and trying to cover their losses so that they weren't upset politically. But that wasn't helping our, our exports at all. That's starting to change now. China, China went through a period with the swine flu, and um, they, they didn't need as many soybeans for a little while because their pigs were all dead or, or infected. So now they've recovered from that. They're looking for more soybeans, and they're starting to buy them from the U.S. again. So in that particular area, it's, it's a, a win for our soybean um, farmers. But still, taxpayers had to bail them out to the tune of tens of billions of dollars. So really, the American economy suffered heavily under the weight of this trade war. And China really has suffered very, very little. This is incredibly depressing because this is <laughs> what a lot of people, and I think you, you mentioned this, a lot of economists said, if you pursue this, X, Y, and Z will happen, and X, Y, and Z did happen. Is there another trade situation in American history that was this uh, one-sided or this ill, ill-sought uh, that we could make context with? Or is this kind of really its own category? We've had a fight like this before with Japan in the 1980s over tech. And we, we did take a bit of a unilateral approach to them. Uh, asking them to commit to us to limit some of their exports and buy more of our goods. That was prior to the World Trade Organization, prior to the multilateral approach that we generally follow today. Our, our history has shown us that going this route alone is not very effective. You could go back to the Tariff Act of 1930, the Smoot-Hawley Tariff Act, that everybody knows from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, when the U.S. also, we were coming out of the Depression, and basically we unilaterally 
raise tariffs on foreign goods, trying to protect and insulate our economy. That backfired spectacularly, and, and we ended up bringing the global economy down for years. What the Trump administration did, I think, was just against all economic advice, going about this in a very, I would say, ignorant way in some sense, not really understanding the, the economics of trade and the fact that it's not just buying and selling, but it's movement of goods across borders that we use to build products, movement of people across goods that we use to build products as well. But all of this is a very integrated, comprehensive supply chain that can't just be stopped by putting tariffs on one country. Now, at the same time that Trump was doing this, Europe, the EU, created a comprehensive investment agreement with China in which they were trying to get the same outcome that we were, but they were doing it on a much more multilateral basis, creating agreements with China to buy certain goods in exchange for certain changes in their laws or rules. China was much more willing to work with them. And in fact, trade increased quite a bit between the EU and China while it was decreasing with us. And so I think that is really representative of the better approach. And it's probably the approach that the Biden administration is going to take to recuperate some of these losses. And that's a perfect transition for my next question. There has been so much going on with the Biden administration and so much focus on the stimulus package, which obviously is the front of everyone's mind. I haven't heard a lot of discussion about if they have taken any action to quietly undo or quietly leave in place stuff. What have we learned the first few weeks here of the Biden administration as has how they're going to approach the China trade relationship? It's anybody's guess at this point, because there hasn't, unfortunately, been a whole lot of focus on international trade. What I can tell you is that President Biden has already had his first call with President Xi in China, and that's a good sign. That call didn't discuss much about trade. Um, It was more focused on human rights issues, infrastructure issues, which some of your listeners may have been reading lately that President Biden is very concerned that we're getting behind on infrastructure while China is getting so far ahead. So that's it's more of a competition in that sense. With respect to, to trade, what I would say is that Secretary of State Blinken, the, the new appointee, is very interested in multilateral relationships and, and efforts to try to get countries to do things. If that's the approach that we take to, to this trade war... I think we're going to be much more successful. What I will say is that now that we've we've already got these tariffs in place, the phase one trade deal was put in place last year to try to lighten the load to some extent of these tariffs on U.S. and Chinese manufacturers. We probably need to keep that in place and use it as leverage. I think as we've seen, China's economy is doing much better than ours right now. I don't think it would be wise to just say, okay, forget it. The trade war is off. We may as well use it to to some advantage here and find a way to open the door further in China to get more U.S. products in there. But we need to do so with our partners. We we can't keep doing this alone. We've already seen the, the failures there. One way to do that would be to go through the World Trade Organization. And that 
is one thing that the Biden administration has been stronger on. We now support the current um, elected official who's going to run the World Trade Organization. We are probably going to unblock the judges to allow disputes to go forward. All of those things are signs that we recognize the importance of working with partners. That's the most effective way to go after China. And in the big picture, it would appear we've lost a lot of ground here. Given China's economy, given their size, uh, given the fact that they don't have to worry about elections, really, and stuff like that, can we make this up, or are we now put ourselves in a position where we're going to be constantly chasing? That's a great question, and, and I think that we are. We are constantly chasing. Um, China is moving ahead at light speed not just on infrastructure, but in, in technology and in manufacturing, they are catching up. I do still think we are ahead in terms of tech, but we've been slowing down. We've been sitting on our haunches for, for too long, and we've been letting countries like China move in that direction. China has a plan to try to be a leading manufacturer uh, within just a couple of years. And perhaps as Americans, it's hard for us to, to grasp this concept that your government can actually lead the way in pushing for dramatic change. We haven't seen dramatic change since the New Deal of the 1930s, when we invested heavily in government projects like dams and, and bridges and roads. That's, that's almost 100 years ago. We haven't really had that kind of massive government-led investment at all. China is doing that on a daily basis. They are building communities, cities, roads, trains that go faster than ours do. And they're building capacity in microchips, in technology, drones, AI, all of the things that we had an advantage in. So we need to really think very carefully about what we want to see, how we want to see China in the future. Are they a strategic competitor or is it that we're just getting behind, we're out we're dated in our own approach. And do we need to pick up the pace a little bit, maybe work with China to some extent? They have a different system of governance, but their, their outcomes are the same. So what are we going to do with that? And I think the Biden administration is struggling to figure out, do we confront them or do we collaborate with them in some sense? But the most important thing from my perspective is that we don't fall behind and that's what we have been doing for decades. It's interesting. The Trump administration, frankly, really had no time for things like human rights. They wanted, they kind of left everybody to their own devices. And obviously, I don't think you'll see the same approach from the Biden administration. How much will that complicate that we are not just going to be under the Biden administration looking at the zero sum of trade there's going to be other things that, that they're going to want to kind of weave into the discussion. How much does that complicate things? It creates a tense relationship for sure between Biden and Xi. I, I think it's right that Biden is confronting Xi about these issues. And, and I, I see China as not necessarily pushing back against that, but rather talking about it and, and expressing their own particular point of view there has to be, again, a multilateral approach. I keep saying that, but I, I really, really believe it. 
to confront China with, with human rights issues. China's not the only country facing those types of issues. And so I, I don't want to say that they are, they should be the only focus. If we're looking at human rights, not only do we need to set our own standards here in the United States, but we need to confront issues happening around the world, whether it's Myanmar or in the Middle East. China, on the other hand, I think recognizes that they're in the spotlight. They know that the world's got its eye on them. And so they're not going to intentionally create something that's going to turn away the rest of the world. They need us. They need the rest of the world. So it's a great opportunity for us to, to kind of push them in the right direction without necessarily causing them too much consternation within their party. It is an achievable goal with China. And so I think Biden is, is treading carefully. He's seeing how much he can push them without them pushing back. And that's, that's probably the, the right approach. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.